Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast, brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Block blog. It's Cami Black here. It's Christmas time, and that can mean only one thing. It's the 1872 Cup. All kicks off this Friday at 7.35 with Glasgow Warriors taking on Edinburgh at Scottsdale. It's going to be live on Via Play. I'm delighted to say that we're joined by uh, commentator Rory Hamilton. Uh, Rory, hello. Hello, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. Um, the, the 1872 has gone through a few different iterations over the years as the format of the what is now the rugby uh, United Rugby Championship has changed. And we've, we've now got, I think, the traditional two-leg... Um, Christmas um, edition, um, and and it feels very special. I think to have this more special. I think to have two legs over Christmas in a way. Yeah, I this was always the format that I liked. Um, you know, rather it can get quite difficult if you're having to add up three scores to work out an aggregate and things like that. Or, um, but yeah, I I think this is this feels the the way that it should be done, and and it is. And I think um, you know when players at the start of the season probably say that there's certain fixtures that they look out for dates in the calendar games that they look forward to at least we know that these two are fixed within that seven eight day period over christmas and new year um and it's become such a tradition i think the fans they pack out both stadiums um for it it it, it feels like that part of your your festive experience is attending these games or watching them on the TV. Um, so yeah, very much looking forward to uh, to Friday nights and then and then the week after. And and I suppose it also kind of feeds into that the traditional build up to the Six Nations because these eighteen seventy two Cup games over certainly over the past decade or so have have almost been a bit like the old Reds versus Blues you would get back in the day of this is this is a chance for some of the fringe players to really kind of show the worth and maybe get get one over on on the the incumbent in the Scotland shirt ahead of the the Six Nations selection. So there's an extra edge there as well, I guess. Yeah, and I I think that's always been there. You've got so many direct rivals competing with one another um, to to make an impression ahead of the the Six Nations. But, you know, there's also that rivalry uh, between the clubs, between the cities, probably often, you know, between players that may have been rivals all the way through their club and their their school days and coming together again they might even have been teammates they will be international teammates and just trying to get that that edge over somebody that you know so well um it just adds a, a fascinating extra layer to it all um you know I, I think i think just because in Scotland we have two pro teams and they're both competing at a, a very high level in the URC this year it it just means that every every position really is like a sort of international matchup i think when the teams are named you would expect there to be you know 10 12 scotland internationals in the starting 15 so each and that's for each team so every position there is trying to get a little nudge over a player another opposing player that's going to be competition for them come february yeah and i suppose one of the, the big the big competition is going to be at scrum half where potentially we've got ali price and making his making his debut against glasgow warriors in an Edinburgh shirt that so that's that's going to, certainly an extra edge you've, i think you've only got ben white potentially playing outside of scotland at the minute so there's a real going to be a real edge and real bit of niggle i would, I would imagine in that position as well i know that you know what that's um that's a side of this that i haven't 
yet got my head around seeing Ali Price in an Edinburgh shirt seems strange, but he's taken to it very well. Um, it's all, I, I obviously commentate on a lot of football as well, and usually when a player goes on loan to another team within the same division, there's a, a clause in the contract that they can't play against their parent club. So this is where that, that's going to be slightly different. Um, Ali will be playing against you know, guys that he knows extremely well. And that that club battle that he had at, um, at Glasgow, particularly with George Horn, um, now we get to actually see them both on the pitch at the same time will be absolutely brilliant. I think there's the, the other one that I'm really looking forward to, and I mean, we, we don't know full selection yet, but Hamish Watson against Rory Darge uh, at seven, if they're, if they're both playing from the start, if they're to be involved. Uh, I think that that is a particular battle going into the Six Nations that is just fascinating because Darge has got the, the national shirt at the moment, but I think we're seeing, we're almost seeing Hamish back to his best in these last few weeks. Uh, I thought he played really well in the World Cup game against Romania and was maybe a little bit unlucky not to play in the Ireland game. And I think he's maybe just taken this on and said, right, I've I've got a real challenge here if I want to keep keep going with the national team and that's uh, that's one area that I think is going to be fascinating. And when you're getting ready for, for commentating on a match, you know, before the lineups come out, are, are you is that what you're gets you excited, kind of looking for the, the, the matchups and the battles or, or are there kind of some names that pop up and you think, Oh, I'm really pleased that that, that guy's playing uh, because I know it's gonna be you know a great match to commentate on. I mean it is anyway. I think we've had a few of these games, maybe when they had the three-game series, that sometimes might be like the one in the middle. Might um, one team might go a little bit less strong. I think from from both the selections from Franco and from Sean in recent weeks, I think they've been building up to this, uh, and I really hope that they they go all guns blazing as strong as they can because then every position. Is is a fascinating matchup. It, each player has that ability to to get the better of their opposite number. Um, so I mean, we we've just mentioned their scrum half and open side, but there's so many others. If you look at, at Hooker, if it's Ewan Ashman against George Turner or Johnny Matthews or Dave Cherry, like whoever's involved there, that's another brilliant matchup. The second rows, it, it's. Um, centers wingers i mean it's it's every position really that each team has the ability to and each player has the ability to shine and really light up these games and we've got the first game at Scottsdale, and and we've had i mean it's strange i suppose with the 1872 because and you know the second leg's going to be at Murrayfield and, and by all accounts selling very well. 20,000 tickets, I think, sold so far. How does it compare? I'm not going to ask you to choose a favourite. I'll not put you on the spot. But how, how does it compare kind of commentating at the different stadiums? Is it, you know, do you find the atmosphere is different from a, you know, as, as you're commentating to feed off or or is it, or would you just prepare in the same way? Uh, I, I, it wouldn't change my preparation. Um, I, the bigger the crowd, the better, because I think that you can, you can get wrapped up in it more. Sometimes, almost lose yourself a little bit. Um, forget that you're commentating and just just go with the crowd. And that's something that that I love as a as a fan myself. Um, 
and a huge fan of these games uh, to yeah to just get wrapped up in the the whole emotion of it uh, the passion of the two teams the two sets of supporters is great but you know obviously Scottish Gas Murrayfield is a lot bigger there's going to be more people there but Scotsland has its own unique atmosphere it's a bit tighter um uh, so so both grounds really they they host it really well the hive's been really good as well i think that's a a great addition for edinburgh obviously that you know to have it played there but um so putting it in the in the big the big ground uh will be special and you know you, you think back to a few years ago when we were doing these games with uh with no fans at all and and so it's just it's such a bonus to to have it'll be over twenty thousand uh at Murrayfield. Scotsman will be packed out. Um there will just be two fantastic occasions. I think that's it and, and we certainly had some of the feedback from the Ember fans, I think now they've got the hive is that Murrayfield can feel a little bit like a neutral venue, but I suppose for the from a player's point of view and the player's prep, you know, Ember will have the home dressing room, they'll have the nice the nicer facilities, they'll you know, they they won't see this as a as a as a neutral venue. No, no, and it's you know it's in their home city as well. So all their preparation uh, throughout the week and and then the hours leading up to the game is exactly what it would be as it was at the Hive. Um, so yeah, they they will see it. They're on home turf. That's their home game. Scotston is is Glasgow's home game, and and for each game, you know, the home side will have the lion's share of the of the support, um, which which makes it. A big difference. I mean, that's still something that in sport, I think coaches and managers are desperately trying to work out how it plays such a, a big advantage, but it does. And and so that's why, you know, everyone that pays their money for a ticket plays their part as well. And and in terms of uh, commentating, we've got a really strong roster of Scottish pundits on, on via play. Now we've got Chris Patterson, John Barkley, and, and now Ryan Wilson. What as a commentator, what makes a good co com commentator for you? What what who what kinda helps you? I mean you're you're absolutely spot on. I'm I'm spoilt being in the commentary box with these guys. Like every single one of them that I work with, they bring something different and all are Top drawer, like like really really good. Um, they do their homework, um, which is it's that's probably one of the the helpful bits. But I would say bringing those unique styles um, is is what I find uh, particularly helpful. I know that if I'm doing a game um, with, if you take Ryan Wilson, I probably need to address things slightly differently, but I know that it's going to be a slightly different broadcast. It's that, you know, there's, he brings a lot of humor. There's, it's, it's a bit more playful. Um, and it's great fun. Uh, I think, I think Emma, uh, presenting has probably the harder task. Cause I mean, she's, she's sort of like the schoolmaster trying to keep the, uh, the unruly kids in check when she actually has to get them in the right positions. I don't, they're not on, on camera for me. So, um, I've got a bit of an easier job to control them, and I've I've sort of grown up having to do the same with like Chris Sutton and Ali McCoist uh, as they're bickering away at a football game. So it's uh, you don't quite have that side as much with the rugby uh, boys, but um, there's uh, there's a lot of fun that that we have up in the commentary box, and the guys have doing the studio stuff as well. So uh, so lucky. I think Ryan's been a, a brilliant addition to the team. Um, 
he's he's taken to broadcasting like he's been doing it for years. Uh, a real enthusiasm for it, and uh, I'm sure he's got some ridiculous antics planned for uh, for <laughs> for Friday night. And I think you've got that, haven't you? Now in the, in the commentators, that nice balance of obviously Chris. Um, although I, you know, would would probably say he's neutral, but probably with more more of an ember bent with, with his career. And then uh, John Barker, who's played for both sides, and then Ryan Wilson. That 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 adds, I guess, to the to the rivalry that's built up. And it's not something I think that, um, you know, we, we talk about eighteen seventy two and it going back over decades. But it is something I think that rivalry's built up much more recently. So having these guys who who have played for the club more recently, that that will no doubt feed into a little bit of niggle in the, in the co-coms as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it will. Um, and also they've got, they've got an insight into the dressing room. Uh, I mean, Ryan literally, because he's, he's in the dressing room most weeks doing an interview or training out on the pitch uh, with the players. And even, you know, when he does games at, at Edinburgh, he's got a close connection with, with so many of these, those players, as does John, Chris is obviously still working with with the, the players as well um, with his kicking coaching and working for the SRU. So um, they've got a really good insight into both squads. And um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how uh, how they react on on the co-coms in the game. I think uh, I think they're all professional enough to uh, to keep that slight degree of neutrality. We'll see. We'll see what, uh, what it comes makes, out. I guess it makes it more exciting from a viewer's point of view to see that come through a little bit. I know, know you mentioned kind of in the, you get it definitely get it more in, in, in football, but I think without overstepping the boundaries, definitely it makes it, it, it makes it more interesting. I'm thinking kind of the, the pitch side interview you were doing with Ryan Wilson ahead of the Munster game and, and some of the stories he was telling about coming out of bars and Munster and uh, some of the reception that he got kind of does, does add. I should, add, I should add, yeah. I wasn't in the bar. <laughs> I was driving down from Dublin. Ryan went for a pint before the game. <laughs> but I think, I think fans fans probably want their man to stick up for their team when when you're watching it. And if you think maybe you've been wronged, I think you're expecting you know your former captain or or whoever it is, your former player to to back you. And, and and fight your corner, even if it is from the commentary box where you have no influence over the game. Yeah, and and one of the things um, I wanted to kind of speak to you about, and it's quite because obviously you, you commentate on football as well, and one of the big games you commented on on, on recently was the the Scotland Spain one when, when Scott McTominay's goal was ruled off out, and I know you were, you were kind of vocal on, on on social media about VAR. Um, it's felt a little bit, I think, with being a long-standing rugby fan, when seeing football uh, fans. Moaning about VAR, but like John McLean in uh, Die Hard when he says "Welcome to the party, pal." Do you, do you <laughs> kind of from from that point of view? Do you think that rugby maybe treats TMO the TMO process in a different way to football that makes football more kind of problematic and intrusive in the game? Yeah. Um, oh, we could go on for hours about this. <laughs> um, I think uh, you're right. It, it helps uh, in rugby that it's been around for a long time. I'm trying to think back to when it first came in and whether there was a real objection to it. Um, I've always been a fan of, of having technology help. And, and I think that's where working on the two sports um, and and being a fan of both sports has, has it's helped me and it's hindered me probably in this because I, I've always thought that you want to get the right decision. Um in rugby, I think it's 
used well, but it's taken time, a lot of time. And I think there's been spells when they've sometimes looked for too much and overused the TMO, a reliance on the TMO. Football's obviously in its kind of early phase of its development within it. And I think they're so scared to get any calls wrong. Everything's overanalyzed. Um, and it almost feels like games are being refereed again, live, um, which I think you're leading to... You're changing history, essentially. Hmm. Um, and I think I think in rugby, a referee is probably more likely to call for help from the TMO rather than the TMO to be intervening quite so much. I know, obviously, the TMO, if he spots something, he will come in. But it might often be that the referee says, look, I think it was a try, but I would like to have another look at it. In football, it doesn't tend to work that way. It tends to be that the, T, the, 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 the VAR official comes in and, and everything is checked. You know, if, if there's a goal scored, that's being checked. Whether it comes up on the screen or not, it's being checked because I think there's this big fear that they miss something and a big decision. I think it's leading to just so many goals being disallowed, um, which I don't, I don't think they're quite so strict on it in rugby. They have been, definitely, and, mm. and, and particularly we saw it maybe a little bit of the World Cup um, and certainly two, three years ago when they went really, really heavy on any head contact uh, and we were seeing red cards for, I think, really unfortunate incidents. But I think that, that rugby has learned from it better. Football's a bit more stubborn, doesn't really seem all that keen to, to learn and change from the process. Um, but I think rugby has done it slightly better uh, in that, you know, we're, we're, you now talk about rugby incidents or, you know, and mitigation if there's a dip at the hips, a dip at the knees, a player's trying to get low, but it's a hugely physical, fast game. Like There is going to be unfortunate incidents. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, I, I have a lot more frustration with it in football than I do in rugby, put it that way. And, and in terms of the officiating, something we were talking about on the podcast recently is that the standard in the URC has really improved, certainly over the last two seasons. It was maybe a bit more that I think there was maybe a lack of consistency in the way things are approached. And I think there's now more of a centralised approach to referee and coaching. And we've got some referees that are now at a really high standard, particularly you know Holly Davidson refereeing a, you know, a World Cup final and now on, uh, running the line. Is that something you've seen as well, that... that, that you know, we talk seem in the URC to be talking less and less about refereeing decisions and more about the quality of the games. Yeah, yeah, abs- absolutely. I mean, I, the standards absolutely brilliant, and each team brings something a little bit different, uh, which that makes it difficult for for referees to to approach games. Um, you know, you, you, the Italians will play a different style to. The South Africans, and then within the South African teams, they they all play slightly differently as well. So that can only help um, the referees as they're they're playing a really broad style of game themselves. You know, if, if you take maybe the say the top fourteen in France, you wouldn't say that you've got as much a, a variety in the style of the way that teams approach games as you do in the URC. 
So the referees then are having to to deal with that, that you know, a more Southern Hemisphere style uh, approach to the game that you know, say Holly Davidson hasn't dealt with before, but has to learn, has to learn quickly, and and you know, she's been a magnificent success story. Um, you know, delighted for her to to be on the panel for the Six Nations as well, to be running the line. I'd love to see her get the get the full gig, and and I think that I would love to think that that's coming soon um, because she really deserves it. Um, we've seen Sam Grove White as well. I, I think is is coming on, going from strength to strength. There's uh, Mike Adamson. Um, the, Scotland hasn't had top level referees for for quite some time, and um, you know there's there's three that have that I've mentioned there that I think are all doing a, a fantastic job. But I think I think that that's where, as I mentioned before, that that having all these different nationalities, you have to learn to approach the game differently. And I think the URC really helps them when they step onto the international stage. Yeah, and and finally, then Rory, before before I I, I let you go, um, what are you calling over the two legs? Then I'm not going to ask you to predict this weekend's match. Over the two legs, who do you think's got the edge? I mean, the, the sort of the answer I have to give is a win a piece. Really, a win a win a piece with each team scoring more than four tries in each game, and both scores to be within seven points. That gets everyone as many points as they possibly can. Keeps everyone happy. So, so the winner gets five. The loser gets two. Seven over the total. I think that would be a pretty good outcome. Um, I honestly think that they're too tight to call. Each time that I cover a game with a team, you see a strength or a weakness that you maybe think, oh, I wonder if they're going to struggle. I mean, if you look at, say, you know, the recent European games and you maybe go, Glasgow, that was disappointing against Northampton, but then they bounce back and they win in France. For for Edinburgh, you know, the same. It looked like, you know, the power of Claremont. They couldn't really deal with late on, but they've also won away to Ulster. They won at the weekend against, you know, more French opposition. When I think they both go all guns blazing with their 23 best players that are fit and available. And I, I, I don't know. That's an honest answer. I don't think one has the edge over the other. Glasgow have obviously recent history on, on their side. They've been the team finishing higher in the league as well, so that would probably give them a slight edge, but I think Edinburgh's recruitment over the summer um, has been excellent. I mean, Ben Healy's going to make a, a huge difference to them. He's he's a proper match winner in, in his own right. Um, so it's going to come down to which of which of those big players step up? And when I say big players, that is that's one to twenty-three. They've all got that ability to um, to step up and be the man to to win it. Be it Duhan, be it Sebastian, uh, Tui Pilotu. You know, there's there's superb players all over the pitch uh, that can be that guy to to win the game. So it, it, I can fortunately sit back get wrapped up in all the atmosphere and and enjoy it just what's going to happen it's it's an exciting time of year yeah 
Well, Rory, thank you very much for joining us and helping us with the 1872 preview. Um, hopefully, we've got two exciting games coming up uh, over the, the next couple of weeks, over the Christmas period. Uh, but we'll wish you a Merry Christmas and thank you very much for joining us today. You too. Thank you very much, Cammy.